It's important that, that your project management is very comfortable at sorting those things out uh, because I think when we go at, at trying to manage impacts wrong-headed mm -hmm. and we don't understand what fits into that excusable bucket and compensable bucket, uh, we can start fights where they shouldn't exist and we fail to collect money that we were perfectly entitled to. We, we fail to collect time when we were perfectly entitled to it. Welcome to The Critical Path with Mary and Jason, a podcast about business development, company culture, and loving the place you work just a little bit more. This is episode 75. This 75. Is, we actually had a 25 episode delay here for this I know. one. It's funny because we had a big build up for like episode 50. Oh my goodness, so many episodes. And now like we're at 75 and that was like episode 50 was like yesterday. Yeah, you know? It was like a, a skip ago. Mm -hmm. It was a year ago, mm -hmm. uh, almost. Uh, so this episode is Managing Scheduling Impacts. So while it is not a very sexy title, it is super important for the work that construction folks do every day. Absolutely. Well, and we were having a conversation about which episodes were more listened to than other episodes. Mm -hmm. And we found that actually the managing schedule episode mm -hmm. is one of our most listened to episodes. Yeah. Apparently folks like learning about managing schedules. Yeah. So when we recorded that episode, uh, we had every intention of doing a second half that was managing schedule impacts mm -hmm. because the first part was really just managing the schedule itself. And we talked about some fundamentals of what's happening under the hood with scheduling and we talked about the idea that it was effectively passing risk or, or sharing risk within the, the project team and the goal of, of anybody in construction is to pass the risk to somebody else. It's like a game of hot potato, mm -hmm. right? Except it results in potentially, you know, losing or making big, big money. Risk potato. Risk potato. <laughs> right. So we... So this was supposed to be episode 51. Yep. And then COVID hit. Yep. So we did not ever record this episode. So, so episode, we thought... episode 50. And actually, we should get back to doing one uh, to make up for, for 50. Well, that we what missed. I was thinking mm -hmm. is that we could just hang out, mm -hmm. keep cutting episodes, and get to episode 100 mm. and make that like the big deal episode because that's even a more Do big like deal. Do like some construction role play or something. I don't know, something cool. Something cool. So, uh, and then episode 50, we, we titled that one. This is not how we planned this episode uh, because it was really as COVID broke yeah, and we, COVID. we used it to sort of help people talk about uh, pivoting. Uh, but now for this episode, we're talking about schedule impacts and what do we do when we're experiencing them? What do they look like? How do we interact with schedule impacts? And how can we better protect ourselves from fully experiencing those impacts on our jobs? Mm -hmm. Nothing to add there? Uh, no little funny quips? <laughs> I don't know that there's a funny quip for that. <laughs> So for a lot of folks, scheduling can be really uh, wonky. Wonky was the term that I used from episode 49 uh, <laughs> because I said that I am a scheduling wonk. I'm a, a nerd when it comes to scheduling components and, and practices. And I think for a lot of people in the industry, general scheduling principles can be pretty intimidating because there's a pretty big vocabulary there. There are a lot of words and a lot of concepts. You can get into higher level science and math inside of scheduling and, and it can tend to push people away. Well, and I think that the truth is in all of our time teaching scheduling, that an interesting part is that all of the concepts of 
the kind of traditional way that we do scheduling, mm -hmm. it's all baked into the DNA of the work that we're doing. Yeah. So when you really start to explain this stuff, it's really not as complicated as it feels. Mm -hmm. But it's the, the real tricky part is making the jump from all those real world concepts into looking at it in the way that this, the software communicates it. Mm -hmm. And, and then making sure that the software isn't intimidating because a lot of people are intimidated by scheduling software. In most cases, scheduling software is the most complex piece of software they're going to work with in their day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. And they generally are nervous around it and generally avoid doing it at all. Absolutely. But I think, you know, once you really start getting into those, those bits and pieces mm -hmm. of, you know, so uh, a great example is we talk about relationships in scheduling. And between activities. Yeah, the idea that you have a finish-start relationship, which means mm -hmm. task one has to finish before task two can start. So we have to pour the foundation before we can start framing. Right. That, that idea of that finish-start relationship, and even like more complex concepts, like mm -hmm. we talk about, oh, lead and lag, and that feels, because it's a buzzword, it feels complex. But then when you start talking about, well, lag just means we need to let the foundation cure for three mm -hmm. days before we start framing. and. Everyone on the job, I think, is very comfortable with thinking about our work in that way, thinking about those relationships in that way. And in fact, when we go in, you know, one of the most complex parts of building a schedule is this work breakdown structure. Mm -hmm. What are all the jobs that need to be done and what are all their relationships to each other? And it feels intimidating. But when you sit down with a team of people who are actually doing the work, that all comes very easily to them to think about their work broken down into tasks and to think about those tasks as having relationships to other tasks. I, I think most construction folks feel this stuff in their bones, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily have a vocabulary to be able to talk about it. So mm -hmm. when we get into scheduling concepts, it can feel a little alien because they've never really heard or applied the words before, or if they did, they don't quite know what they, what they mean mm -hmm. and nobody wants to look stupid. Right, so I think once you start just putting those words into mm -hmm. people's hands, uh, it gets a lot easier to get your head around what's going on with all those colors and bars on that document. So to, to steal one of Mary's favorite quotes. I love this one. Risk is just an expensive substitute for information. Yep. So in, in project management, in construction management, really what we're doing is we're managing risk. And we talked about this a lot in episode 49 where we're saying you're not a project manager, you're a risk manager. So when we're, when we're managing the risk of scheduling and risk is an expensive substitute for information, that tells you in order to reduce the amount of risk that you're carrying, you need more info. You need more information about that specific risk. Mm -hmm. And that is the single best way to be able to reduce or eliminate altogether that risk that was there. Yep. So how that comes into play is that, that number one, we need to teach our foreman basic understanding of scheduling principles mm -hmm. because they are the eyes and the ears on the ground. And this is a concept that we, we spend a bit of time on in our Foreman Basic Training Program, uh, which we are, are signing up for now for March. Yep. But in, in the eight weeks together, one of the core concepts that we talk about is the idea that the foreman, the forewoman, the foreperson, that's a different con conversation, uh, that field leader, they are closest to the work. 
and they will be able to detect a problem in the scheduling or in the productivity mm -hmm. sooner than anybody else on the project. Yep, well, and the way that, that we see that relationship is working is that you have the field role and you have the office role. So you have your foreman, and your foreman needs to see that there has been an impact, mm -hmm. understand enough about that impact to know that to know what they need to capture about it mm -hmm. and then capture all the information about the impact. Mm -hmm. And then they pass that ball over to the project manager. And it's the project manager's goal or the office goal to take that information about that impact and to understand the relationship of that impact in terms of do we get paid, mm -hmm. who pays us for this, how mm -hmm. does that work, to understand that relationship and then ultimately to do whatever they need to do mm -hmm. so that we get paid. So. A key component that, that foremen need to understand is what is the baseline commitment? What is the contract commitment for durations? What, what did we agree to? What are we bound to? What is part of the deal that's baked into our contract? So foremen should understand things like activity duration. How long, how many days do we have to be able to start and finish this task? Is it five days? Is it 10 days? Uh, is, it, is it five days per floor? Uh, what What is that duration for the activities that we're responsible for? Because what it means is, yes, we're responsible for completing it in five days, but it also means that we're entitled to five days to be able to complete it. So that's something that's really important. Another is the foreman should understand the level of congestion. So trade stacking is a big phrase inside of construction. How many trades are stacked on top of each other inside the same space, inside the same time? So what in, in your baseline contract schedule, how much congestion existed inside of that baseline schedule? You should see no more congestion than what you committed to in that contract. Mm -hmm. And if instead of, let's say there was supposed to be one other trade working in the same area at the same time, now there are four, mm -hmm. well, what do you think that does to your productivity? Absolutely, everything is different. But, you know, and I think that's, it's important that not just that we can understand that we're being impacted by mm -hmm. the other trades, but what the plan was going in. Mm -hmm. Because if we knew that there were gonna be two other trades in that same area, and now we get there and there are two other trades in that same area, then were we really impacted? So many times the foreman will feel responsibility, like it's their fight to go raise hell with the GC or raise hell with a customer. Mm -hmm. But it's not their fight to, to pick in the situation. Their job is to capture the information, to document it, to flag it, and to throw that up to management to let them have that fight. Well, but I think, so this is this kind of takes us to the place where when we put together the training that a foreman would need, mm -hmm. it's a mistake that people make to think that foremen don't really need to understand the schedule. Mm -hmm. The foreman, if they can just... Just know that up. they're getting their work done, yeah. that's all that matters. But because they are the ones who need to flag these impacts, they need to be able to get that information that they need out of the schedule. They don't need to be able to create a schedule. Mm -hmm. They don't need to be able to figure out all those relationships and put that all together. That's a different job. But they need to be able to read the schedule and tell those durations. Mm -hmm. And they need to be able to look at it and understand that level of congestion. Mm -hmm. How many other trades were going to be in this area in the original schedule? Other items that the foreman should be aware of are is the amount of overlap 
between your own activities. So if you had five days per floor and we were only working on one floor at one time, so all of our people are, are on one floor and then they move to the next and then move to the next with clean separation between all of those, that's different than working on floor one for two days and then mm -hmm. we start floor two two days later and floor three two days later and before you know it, yeah, sure, we had the five-day duration but we're expected to be ultimately five places at once mm -hmm. with, with the same manpower. Yep. And that is a, a flaggable event. That is a different situation that we need to make sure that, that we throw up. Mm -hmm. And ultimately then another item, kind of the last item we're gonna to touch on here that foremen need to be aware of is the, the level of commitment the, uh, of manpower to the project. So how many people did you commit? How many people did your company commit to performing this work. So this is particularly important when you see those activities, your own activities start to stack up. And now in order to complete all of this work in, in the duration that we've allowed for, we need to have four times the number of people here in order to be successful. Right. Was that part of the base plan or was it not? Mm -hmm. So those are all things that they need to understand because if we want them to flag impacts when they happen, we need them to be able to recognize an impact when they see it. And we need them to understand what kind of impact we're talking about so that they understand what kind of information they need to gather. Mm -hmm. And when they can collect all of that information and send it on to the office, it becomes much easier for the office to do what they need to do so that we actually get paid for those impacts. Mm -hmm. And. Remember, it's not the foreman's fight to figure out the dollars and cents. It's the foreman's fight. It's the foreman's responsibility to throw up the flag, send that message up to management, and let them have the conversation. Mm -hmm. Let them calculate and discuss with the client what next steps are. And for them to understand when something has changed significantly enough mm -hmm. that they should maybe pause mm -hmm. and check in with the office and say, is this something we should just continue doing or should we pause before we incur a cost here? Right. Do we need more more feedback or more input before we finish this thing? So it's, it's important that our team is comfortable having the ability to identify when one of those events has happened. Uh, when something has changed when something's different from that base plan. This is sort of like uh, what Sesame Street, which one of these guys are doing their own thing. <laughs> these things is not like the other. Right, what, no, I think it was a different song. Anyway. No, the doing their own thing is from one doing of these their things. Own thing. One of these guys is not like the other. One of these guys is on his own. <laughs> one of these guys is doing his own thing. Which one could it be? That one, yeah. So, <laughs> so the foreman needs to have a, a Sesame Street flashback. And try to be a Sesame the, Street flashback. That's the jetpack. There we go. So if you uh, <laughs> want to share, yeah, want to share some creative art with us, go ahead and uh, send in Sesame Street flashback with your own creative spin. When Mr. Hooper died, that was actually one of my like childhood it's formative like, events. Formative events. Wow. <laughs> so the foremen are are looking for those things, those things that stand out that are different, that are odd. We want to make sure that we get those documented in your daily reports, but we also want to make sure that if they're severe enough, we communicate those up to uh, the office. Uh, so some things to be watching for are if your activity starts or if your activity ends when we're supposed to start something moves significantly, 
or if it, the, the end moved significantly, if it was supposed to take us 10 days and it took us 20 days, mm-hmm. why? Yep. Why did it take us 20 days? What happened there? Uh, things like milestones. So milestones are critical events, the zero day durations uh, on projects. If we significantly missed a milestone and it was related to our piece of work, did that have any impact? It, it, these are all causes for investigating further. Uh, things like sequencing. So if we were planning on going clockwise on a floor plate and now we're going counterclockwise or now we're hopscotching around, we've significantly changed the sequence from how we originally intended to do it. That's a point in time when we should slow down and calculate, evaluate what kind of difference do we expect to see with this different approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, congestion. So if we show up, and we, we've touched on this earlier, if if the floors are overwhelmed or if there are too many people in one place and we can't effectively get our work done, ultimately that's going to result in not hitting production. So when we get out of the gate on a project, early on we want to make sure that we're measuring and comparing our production rates against our estimated and against our historical numbers from other projects to be able to figure out are we getting messed around <laughs> or not? So the foreman should be paying attention to whether or not they're hitting their production rates that are targeted on the project. The important part there that a lot of foremen don't have is what are our production rates? What are we supposed to be hitting? Sometimes they'll even get their total bucket of hours that they have for the project, but it's oftentimes not broken down by phase or by area so that they're just kind of feeling their way through, and we don't know that there's a problem on the project until we're halfway done, or until we start to see that there's 50% of the project left and maybe 10% of our budget left. And that that is the oh shit moment that we have that we then try to hide or uh, start pointing fingers or start trying to throw somebody under the bus for the reason that we're panicked. Mm So it's important that that the foremen have good visibility of what their production rates are before they start the project. And then they're taking measurements early on and throughout that project to verify, are we on track or not? And if we're not, how bad is it and how bad will it get? Because if the foreman doesn't have the ability to track this information, if we keep it all at the office level, then they don't have the ability to raise their hand and let us know when that's not working out that way. Mm-hmm. So these are core concepts that we go through in more detail in project management uh, basic training and also our boot camp. And we spend a bit of time talking about it in form and basic training as well. So it's important that, that you understand the differences between types of impact. There are fundamentally uh, really two things that we're talking about. Is an impact compensable? Meaning uh, compensation? I think it's from the- Money? I think it's from the root French, composerade. That's not even a French word. No, it's not. <laughs> no, but compensable, meaning are we, are we entitled to collect money because of this thing? It sounds more Italian, really. I know, it's like a Maserati. <laughs> yeah. Is it excusable? So excusable, this, think about you know flashback to middle school and you get a hall pass or something. This is not the babysitter hall pass. This is like. <laughs> <laughs> That's also another thing. That's also a different thing. Uh, is it excusable? So excusable means do you get more time? 
are you allowed more time in order to to make up for the loss of time? Well, and this talk of, of allowed money or mm-hmm. allowed time, really, if you step it back, the first part is any given impact, it's either a money impact or it's time impact. Or both or neither. Or both or neither. Mm-hmm. So it's either going to cost more money to finish this, but we can still finish when we thought we could finish. It's mm-hmm. just going to be more money. Or maybe it's not going to cost us more money. We will finish this two weeks after the date that we said we would finish it. Um, but it will still cost the same amount of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a time impact. And then, obviously, you can have both or you can have neither. So first of all is understanding what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Is it going to cost more money? Is it going to take more time? Then the next step is where does that come from? Mm-hmm. So if it's not compensable, but it is going to cost more money, that means my company has to eat that money. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's compensable, that means someone else is going to pay us for this. So mm-hmm. it's a huge difference understanding whether or not an impact is compensable. But I guess the reason that I pull that apart is for a foreman, Mm -hmm. it's really more important for a foreman that they just understand, impact. is it going to cost time? Is it going to cost money? It doesn't really matter to them who's going to pay that time or money. It's not their job to sort out the specifics of it. It's it's their job to flag. There's an impact here, Mm -hmm. whether it's compensable or or excusable or not, mm-hmm. it's their job to flag it to the PM yep. and say, hey, here's this issue, be aware of it. Yep, it's gonna cost time, it's gonna cost money. Mm-hmm. And then it is the PM's job, and that's why we're kind of shifting now into material that we cover in the PM basic training. It's the PM's job to say, okay, this is gonna cost time, this is gonna cost money, mm-hmm. what of that is gonna cost us and what of that do I need to justify and collect? We run a really fun exercise in our Project Bootcamp program where we're evaluating all of these different examples of compensable versus excusable uh, impacts. And I am always shocked at how incorrect everybody is mm-hmm. at understanding whether or not something is compensable or excusable. And even company owners sometimes mm-hmm. who weren't aware. Mm-hmm. So things like act of God, mm-hmm. uh, where let's say we have a weather event or we have a, uh, a strike or something like that, as an example, those would typically be excusable but not compensable, mm-hmm. meaning that you would get more time to be able to recover from it, uh, but you wouldn't get any more money from the owner. So like if there's a big snowstorm mm-hmm. and the whole job site shut down, mm-hmm. then we're, if we're shut down for three days and you finish three days after your original target date, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yes. However, but we don't get more money because no one was working during that three days. However, and this actually happened to me on a job that I was working on where we were assigned to remove snow from the job. Mm -hmm. So that was an extra piece of work that got added on Mm -hmm. and that would be compensable Mm -hmm. and our delay related to the base scope of work was excusable. Mm -hmm. So it's important that that your project management is very comfortable at sorting those things out uh, because I think when we go at, at trying to manage impacts wrong-headed, mm-hmm. and we don't understand what fits into that excusable bucket and compensable bucket, mm-hmm. uh, we can start fights where they shouldn't exist, mm-hmm. and we fail to collect money that we were perfectly entitled to 
we, we fail to collect time when we were perfectly entitled to it. Mm-hmm. But it, the way that the system kind of works together is if the project manager is very comfortable and aware of where that money comes from, mm-hmm. which money is ours to pay, which money belongs to which different parties to pay, or I mean, which is not ours is ultimately mm-hmm. the only important part, not it, mm-hmm. and pass it along, then and, and when the project manager has all the documentation they need from the field, because the field quickly realized the impact was happening, captured all the information, mm-hmm. bundled that up and passed it along, yep. it gets very easy to get paid the money that we're owed. Yep. And I think the uh, ultimately it comes down to whether or not you were responsible for it. So, mm-hmm. for example, if you're a general contractor working on a job, and there's a piece of bad design. So the owner hired an architect, the architect gave you a design that doesn't work. That would be excusable and compensable. Mm-hmm. Means you get more money and more time because you were not the person, you were not the entity who designed or, or was responsible for the design. Uh, and that can shift as a general contractor or as a sub if you take responsibility for design build. Mm-hmm. When you're responsible for the design, now, that would be neither excusable nor compensable. Because that risk belonged to you. Right. Uh, so anytime that we're, we're evaluating impacts, it's important that we separate the different impact types into clear, isolated channels as much as possible. We want, we want to understand each one of these impacts as individually as possible. Mm-hmm. So during COVID, uh, a client came to us and Mary headed up a, a schedule analysis where they were experiencing multiple, a uh, general contractor was experiencing multiple types of impacts at one time and they needed to be able to communicate it. I think, was it to Sound Transit? Mm-hmm. Well, and what they did is all these impacts happened and they just kind of went through the schedule and mm-hmm. they just adjusted it and mm-hmm. said, well, now all this stuff will be done on these days mm-hmm. and then just sent that along and said, here's now how long it's going to take to finish this project. Mm-hmm. And then the client said, wait a minute, that's a huge delay. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? So just by taking that those two separate schedules and saying, okay, Actually, what's going on here is this one item that was going to take us two weeks to do with COVID. Now it's actually going to take us three weeks, mm-hmm. and this delay each, every time each individual impact got mm-hmm. its own line, so that you could see how every single activity was being affected, and you could see that actually we had these three trades all working in the same small area before COVID and after COVID because they have to go one, then the next, then mm-hmm. the next. No trade stacking. So we were able then to pull out that and mm-hmm. show that delay that nobody was actually taking longer. Mm-hmm. It was just that now they couldn't be in the same place at the same time. Yep. And you would find a little delay here from safety regulations and a little delay here from unstacking the trades and a little delay here and then see how all those delays actually added up into this giant delay. So when you have you'll oftentimes have impacts from multiple sources at the same time. So the better that you can separate those and and work math around those individually, the better that you can understand and ultimately communicate those. When they get all confounded and mixed together into this big slurry, uh, it is really difficult to sell your your responsibility or, or lack thereof 
in that situation. Yeah. When you say it's going to take us an extra six months, and it's mostly not our fault. Yeah, and that's I, one conversation. And I expect you to pay for it, and I expect you to give us the extra mm -hmm. six months. If you have one day or two days in there that are yours, mm -hmm. and you're not separating those things out and mm -hmm. owning your your component in that, mm -hmm. then you're much less likely to get shot down or receive far less money or far less time. So if you can't separate it out. So when you can hand them that schedule analysis that says okay, uh, 56 days delay mm -hmm. are COVID related and here's how that looks. There are four days of delay here that belong to us. Mm -hmm. Those are our delay because of this event that as you remember happened. Mm -hmm. uh, when you can break it all down like that, it makes it so much easier to collect the money you're owed. So when we're calculating these things, we're let's say we're calculating a productivity impact. There's trade stacking or, or work wasn't ready for us. The way that we wanna calculate that, that we run through in Project Bootcamp, is that we look at our measured mile, we use the measured mile process where we say, in this circumstance, we were able to achieve this level of production. On level two, when no one was in our way, mm -hmm. this is how long it took us to finish one room. So using that comparative ratio, then we look forward and we say we should have been to this point. We should have completed this much work. And essentially that delay or that impact is going to be the difference between the measured mile and what we actually performed. So the idea here is not only that, so we need the foreman to raise the flag and mm -hmm. say, whoa, something's different. And we need them to say what's different. And, because and we need them to actually record their production rates yes. for all of those phases. We need that measured mile from them. Because if we say, okay, uh, first week on the job, we did great, but now it's taking us twice as long. It's probably not our fault. Like, right. That's not good <laughs> enough. We need to say, then this mm -hmm. other trade moved into our space. Yeah and they've been in our space for a week now, here's how much we got done in the week that they were in our space. We need to be able to actually demonstrate that impact, like that it's affecting us mm -hmm. and the extent to which it's affecting us. The only way that you can get there is if you are actually tracking your production on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. You can't just start tracking production yep. after, when you we're impacted. after you detect that there's an impact because then it makes it really difficult to have comparative uh, analysis between mm -hmm. the two. So it gets really tough to sell. Whereas when the foremen are just in the practice of recording their production rates and then mm -hmm. continually comparing it, continually sharing that info with, with project management, then we all have the ability to catch something that we might not otherwise mm -hmm. detect. So when we see a big change happen in that production rate, then we say, hang on, time mm -hmm. out. What happened? What's different on the job today? And if we find out it's that we internally sent some new guys mm -hmm. out or gals out to that job and now they're they are affecting it mm -hmm. then we want to fix that internal problem mm -hmm. but if there's something external going on then it's even more important that we capture that and are able to communicate it so then with that that information upload from the field the project manager has the ability to project just like you would a profit projection you have the ability to project what is that ultimate magnitude mm -hmm. of the impact if we continue at this rate, yep. I'm going to be looking for $100,000. Here's how much it's going to cost by the end of the job, in time and in money. Mm -hmm. So then the project manager can take that impact information to the client and say, look, we're having a problem on site. Uh, right now, we've experienced 5,000 of impact. 
if we continue, if we don't change something, if we collectively between the two of us don't come up with some solution here to fix it, I'm going to be looking for $100,000. I don't want that. You don't want that. What can we do to prevent that outcome from happening? And it really changes the dynamic of the relationship. We're not using it as a stick, but Mm -hmm. we're saying, hey, we detect that there's a problem. We're here early Mm -hmm. before it's a real problem to be able to help solve that solution or solve that issue. So much of the time we wait until we are already looking for Mm $100,000 to let them know that that's happening. And then they feel like they got screwed. And they did. Whereas if we come to them and say, this is what we think is happening, let's work together. Mm -hmm. And then the great thing is if in certain cases, the client says, you know what, I I see you, Mm -hmm. that's how much it's going to cost, but this is, there's nothing to be done about it. It's worth it. Go ahead and do it. It's going to be so much easier to collect that hundred thousand at the end Mm -hmm. because they saw it coming. They agreed to it. They knew that that was the case, Mm -hmm. but we need to give them the opportunity to change things if they want to. Yeah, it goes a long way to protect and preserve and deepen that relationship Mm -hmm. because we want to take care of our customers. We want to take care of our clients. And it's important that we give them information in order to be able to make those decisions for themselves. They have information that we don't have access to. We don't know the whole story from their perspective. All we can do is give them information about what we see as early as humanly possible. And so anytime we detect an impact, when our foremen are trained to actually understand what to watch for, Mm -hmm. and they throw the flag up, and we have the ability to calculate, quantify, communicate that information to our clients quickly, Mm -hmm. they then have the ability to make the best decision at any point in the project because they had that that warning early. But so the rules are, again, the foreman needs the information to be able to recognize an impact, Mm -hmm. to know what information the office is going to want to know about that impact, Mm -hmm. uh, and to be able to capture that. Whereas the office, the PM, needs to be trained to be able to know who owns which risk, Mm -hmm. where it goes, and to be able to take that information that the foreman has handed over and turn that into uh, a justification that will make it easy for the client to see that this is what they owe. Mm-hmm. Did we do it? I think so. That was a lot. That was a lot. Yeah. Got, got in pretty deep there. We did, but I, I think it was good. I think it was time for one of those episodes. So shameless plug, we are filling right now, we're booking right now for Foreman Basic Training. We're about half full and uh, PM Basic Training, we're about half full in that. In the case that you want your folks the chance to come and learn with us about best practices for being a foreman and being a project manager go ahead and and check out arcadewayfinding.com we also have websites uh, foremanbasic.com if you just want to jump right to foremanbasic pm-basic.com both of those are available for you and much of the stuff that we're talking about here they are topics and principles that we cover in those programs. If you want your team to be able to speak the same language and be able to communicate together, sending some folks to foreman and some folks to PM basic, when those people leave, they'll be able to go back to your team and speak the same language and be on the same page. Yep, and this episode illustrates more than most 
what the value of that is. When the foreman knows their side of the equation and the PM knows their side, it makes it much easier for them to be able to work together as a concentrated team. Mm -hmm. So much of the, the questions that we get in Foreman Basic are they say, okay, I'll track all this, but like, how does my PM know what to do with it? Mm -hmm. And it would be great to say, oh, they're a PM, they know. They know. But they don't necessarily, <laughs> no. in the same way that the Foreman didn't start out knowing the parts of it that were theirs. Mm -hmm. So by sending everyone through together, we can kind of come out at the other end with a team that knows how to work like a machine. Mm -hmm. And the programs are called basic training, not because they're they're reserved only for first year folks, mm -hmm. but because this training that we go through should be fundam fundamental lessons that you should be equipped with when you start that position. Most people aren't. Uh, so we're, we're looking to, to shift the industry to be able to get more diverse leadership in seats uh, with the proper tools to be able to be successful and lose a lot of the fear that those positions typically come with. Absolutely. What else? You can find us. You can find us. At www.arcadewayfinding.com. You can find us at thecriticalpathpodcast.com. That's true. So you're not even making stuff up anymore. Oh, I was getting we have, ready. We have so many domains by now. You could just say them all day. You could find us at, oh, I don't know. <laughs> You don't have anything. Gamestonks.com. Gamestonks. Watch for it. <laughs>